Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello! And welcome to the Smackdown Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hampler from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Smackdown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Smackdown, but also Monday Night Raw, NXT, Dubai, oh, AW oh. Rampage, pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a mega quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Hamplet to review a Friday Night Smackdown. What did you make of the show, mate? I still don't know. I still don't know. Um, not as drab, I think, as Smackdown has been of late. They really tapped into something with this specific babyface version of Brock Lesnar. That's undeniable at this point, particularly in who they're pairing him with, which I'm looking forward to us diving into. And there were a couple of things that... So, like, peel back the curtain just a little bit. I wasn't able to watch SmackDown in full until uh, midday Sunday. I was having the last of four um, nights out over the course of a week, which I'm too old for. I was, I was too old for when I was 19, let alone when I'm 36. But, like, that was Friday, and I needed Saturday to recuperate. Obviously, I made time for Hook, Jesus Christ. But, like, other than that, I just... My head wasn't ready for any wrestling, none of that sort of stuff. And then... Obviously, with Hook and with Rampage in general, SmackDown was sort of last on the list. So I don't want to be the guy that just comes out and says on a podcast, oh, what an exhausting drone of an episode of SmackDown this was. Because maybe I was just the exhausting drone in question. But I felt like they were showing us theoretical exciting things that were then not that exciting in execution. Mm. Over and over again, there was a series of things that WB were probably thinking, oh, awesome. And then it played out and it was really not very awesome. And I guess it's when we work through this, I'm going to decide if that was just very much my subjective exhaustion with life, not just with WWE, but with life this weekend, or the fact that maybe the stuff that they've got just isn't that hot. Major uh, backhanded compliment incoming from me here. I thought once again, this was a roller coaster of a SmackDown. I completely agree with you with flashes of brilliance and then god awful segments, like someone stealing a table with a sword in the middle of it that was never followed up on. But I have to say, I had a sensational time watching this SmackDown. Why? Well, first of all, uh, I watched it on Sunday night. Uh, and managed to, I think, condense it down to about a 30-minute watch with, with double speed 
and uh, skipping <laughs> through all the bollocks that they recap every week. It's such an easy watch. There is going to come a time where I spend more time watching Rampage than I do watching SmackDown, and it's an hour long. <laughs> uh, and B, uh, this is the last SmackDown I legally have to watch this year. So it's done. It's finished. It's finished. This is going to be me reviewing Raw tomorrow. What a brilliant episode of Monday Night Raw that I do not have to watch until 2022, baby. I do not like D-Mob Happy, Adam Wilborn at all. I've... Uh, like this has been a flashback to you from the last few years. Typically, I'm a over the Christmas period worker, and and you're not. And we have our like parting parting ways on maybe the Friday before or something yeah. like that. Like the way Christmas has fallen this year, it's like a full week of WWE TV coverage isn't there, that needs addressing. Jesus yep. Christ! Oh my God! Oh my God! Uh, it is going to be the bit in it's in the Hangover where uh, Bradley Cooper's walking out of school as a teacher and one of the kids comes up to him. That's going to be me with, with all of WWE program. It's Christmas, kid. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you what I will keep up with, and that is mm. whatever's going on with the head of the table, who was absent on this show, and Brock Lesnar, and someone who deserves so much better. I like the fact he's getting showcased, uh, maybe not demonstrating the best way to, to utilise him, in ring, let's say, but on the stick, I just love him. Let's start to begin the show with Sami Zayn uh, and Brock Lesnar. Sami Zayn comes out. He's in a wheelchair. He's got a neck brace. He's got a moon boot. I know that feeling, bro. And he's got two <laughs> pretty jacked male nurses uh, wheeling yeah. him out there. Looking forward one, to see them in one there. Was a, like, oh. Well, one was a little bit like he was having a bit of the case of the hoses, wasn't he? Because at least one of the scrubs, like one of the guys put their scrubs over his massive biceps. The other one rolled them up so that yeah. like the bicep was put. I, I don't recall seeing like staff in hospitals thinking, well, I know I've got to like cover my whole body, but I, I, how much do you lift? I'm rolling mine all the way up. Spoiler alert, they are my picks for the NXT Cooper L previews this week. This is your thing, Evil Nurses. That's what we're getting. I'm going to pitch it tomorrow to make sure you listen to the NXT Cooper L preview tomorrow to hear more (laughs) about that one. So they do the whole recap of, yeah, getting murdered by Brock and Roman last week and losing his title opportunity. Um, He calls himself the toughest man in WWE, says, look, they had to work together, Brock and Roman, to put me in a wheelchair. Two men who can't stand each other. Do you think it's a little bit weird that they had to work together to put me down? I was robbed. Quite rightly points out the referee, maybe should have asked him if he was conscious (laughs) before ringing the bell. Uh, But what really hurt about what happened wasn't what Brock did. It wasn't the, the German suplexes. It wasn't the F5s. It was the betrayal. Now he's got to do something about it. Now he's got to stand by his convictions and sue. He's going to sue Adam Pearce. He's going to sue Sonia Deville, the referee, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, and anyone who had anything to do with robbing him of his shot. Out comes Paul Heyman, struts down. He says, ladies and gentlemen, sorry you've had to be subjected to all this nonsense. Um, he, <laughs> he says that it's not funny and for all the people to talk about litigation, it should be him. That's, quote, his people's shtick. Okay. <laughs> Goes to do his usual spiel, but Sammy cuts him off saying he, he isn't done talking. There's a, there's a back and forth. They try and talk over each other. Sammy gets up out of the wheelchair, a la Linda McMahon at WrestleMania. Pat McAvee explodes when this happens. And he says, look, Paul, I wasn't, I wasn't finished talking. I know Roman Reigns isn't here tonight, which means 
you're all alone and you're disrespecting Sami Zayn, a world-class athlete, he says. There's no one here to save you from me. We all know what's coming. Uh, to be fair, it was contrived, but it was one of those things where, all right, you got me. There's no, yeah. who will save this man? <laughs> Roman raises it. Brock Lesnar's music hits, of course. The crowd goes wild. I thought it was a fantastic way of saying, yeah, I've got Roman, but you've got this mad bastard here instead, basically. And the crowd respond accordingly. He comes down. He's wearing in overalls. My God, how did he get this over? <laughs> On a weekend where everyone was like, look at Hook's fight shorts. I was like, no, 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 no. Look at Brock's in overalls, mate. I think you'll find Brock has come dressed as Phineas Godwin. Uh, Indeed. Like, why are you watching any of the channel? He storms down, he grabs a steel chair from the timekeeper and twats the announce table with it, makes his way into the ring, opens the chair to sit on it, and then walks over to Heyman. What's he going to do? And he puts out a hand to Paul Heyman and tells him to hand him the mic, and Heyman obliges. He sits down across from Sammy and says, Sammy, mate, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? How are you doing, actually, is what he says. Sammy goes, not great, not great, to be honest. He goes, look at you, though. What are you playing at? Neck brace, all this bollocks, male nurses. He starts laughing. Sammy says, this isn't funny. Brock, shut your mouth. Oh, be careful. He says, hey, 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 this is this is friendly, Brock, which is my favourite persona, in my <laughs> opinion. Maybe we maybe we just got off on the, on the wrong foot. I, I'd like to apologise for last week. On a scale of one to ten, come on, how much does it really hurt? Sammy's ain't immediately ten. It's a ten. Emotional <laughs> pain's a twenty. He says, "Look, all right, I understand that, but come on, we're we're both Canadian citizens." I think at one point Sammy said, "Yeah, Canadian alphas," which popped me again. <laughs> he right. says, "Look, be honest. Could you have beaten Roman Reigns on your own? I, I did you a favor. I." I you were never going to beat him on that night, and you know it. And Sammy goes, wait a second, so you injured me so Roman's win was, would be tainted. And he goes, yeah, you, now you're getting it. <laughs> he asks where Sammy's from, Montreal, speaks a bit of French. Um, tickled me, that did as well. And he says, look. French tickler. From one, from, one Canadian, <laughs> from one Canadian to another, why don't you come out with me, come out to my farm, we'll do a bit of fishing, we'll do a bit of hunting. We'll sit down and have a lovely meal together. Sammy says, I'm vegan. I'm not doing that, bollocks. <laughs> he says, all right, yeah, whatever. Look, let's just get out of Hollywood. Get out of, you know, this, this mad bubble that we're in. Just go and do something enjoyable. How about that, hey? And he starts wheeling. Sammy doesn't want to go. And then he goes, oh, well, I guess we're going. It starts getting wheeled out of the <laughs> ring. And Heyman goes, what the hell am I looking at? The animals that I took earlier must finally be kicking in because two years ago, this would have been a one-way trip for Sami Zayn to suplex City. And now you're, what, Canadian besties? And he goes into the big spiel he always does about Brock Lesnar. And it takes Brock back to that place. He's in that orgasmic trance. And uh, <laughs> he uh, goes wild, beats the out of those nurses. Oh, I'm not sure if you're going to be able to bump properly. Well, who cares? Off your head comes. Out of the ring you go, you twat. And uh, he turns around. Sammy Zane's trying to beg off, but he uh, he kicks Sammy. And in this wonderful spot, he sort of, you know, he's meant to kick him. And Sammy, whoa, Sammy falls backwards. And he goes, whoa. And his chair sort of stays there. So Brock kicks him again out of his chair, chucks the chair out of the ring, 
picks up Sammy, F5, uh, and afterwards, as he's walking through the back, speaks to Brock Lesnar, says, uh, what was all that about then? And he says, well, I don't know. You should probably ask my advocate, Paul Heyman. Perfect. No notes for me on this. What do you make of it? Really well recapped, by the way, because you captured the chaos of the physicality, which I specifically enjoyed here. A real unhinged sense of violence about Brock's attacks, um, which it had to be because, as you say, Paul Heyman had inspired something in me, wowing the monster up and letting go. Um, if I was going to be I love, just, just a quick, quick note, I love, I think one of my favourite things with Brock, obviously he's just, you know, he's someone you have to be there to experience that aura. Mm. But I love, not just when he has to beat someone up, when he beats John Cena up or, or whoever it may be that he's facing, but when it's someone expendable, when it's just a cameraman <laughs> or yeah. a nurse or any just sort of like, this guy's security, but just for the night, you'll never see this guy again. And he's like, well, we'll never see him again in WWE or potentially life because I'll just throw <laughs> him as hard as I can. And I uh, guess you'll have to sort yourself out. It's, it's, uh, it reminds me of Randy Orton's face when he dropped one of the sink brothers yeah. and was like, well, could have killed him. It's a really horrific thought, the idea of like Vince or Bruce rubbing the thighs in Gorilla and going, nah, treat yourself. Go on, you go and treat yourself. It's been a hell of a year. Like with somebody's body, with a human <laughs> body. Like you go to you, Brock. Um, all right, a minor criticism was that I thought this went a bit too long for the point they were trying to make. But I will give everybody here a free pass in that regard because typically this is the first 45 minutes of SmackDown and out of one person to speak very slowly. So this was them trying to do the job of a Roman Reigns promo, wasn't it? So they had to drag things out a little bit. But Sammy was great. Brock is really feeling himself in this. Um, normally, you don't get this for as long as we've had it now with Brock as well. This like this kind of rat tail, baby face woodsman guy has mm. been around pretty much since he came back to challenge Roman, hasn't he? Yeah. And normally, like what, Brock Party was, what, three weeks, four weeks, something like that? Like the... I feel like we're he's really locked into this and more power to him. It's I hope it's only for a good time and not a long time because we will gradually tire of it. But they at least got me back interested in a mystery that I was starting to feel a little bit tired of. This uh, Paul Heyman thing was it was impressive, I guess, how they kept us all on the hook. But the line to Kayla, of course, it had to be Kayla, was absolutely tremendous. Go and speak to my advocate was just a perfect way to send Kayla Braxton back to Paul Heyman when she doesn't want to have to interact with him anymore. Why go at the uh, monkey when you can go at the organ grinder, as it were? But instead, <laughs> yeah. no, back she goes, back to Paul Heyman to get put on this merry dance. I just really, really appreciated that as a way to try and get you back invested. And to be fair to WWE, because we're often like, you know, try and stay on top of them even when they just do the same things over and over and over again and you kind of become so immune to it and numb to it that you don't want to criticise them. It's nice to praise them for something. This story that's come out about them wanting day one to feel like so big that fans clamour for it to be an annual event, that might be why what we've talked about in the preview of the day is true. December isn't feeling like December. No. WWE. So maybe all it took was for this company not to, like, just run this entire month in first gear was to put a show on January the 1st. Yeah. Because with what's, with what's been going on with Raw, and at the very least the big stuff on SmackDown, this is the most undecember December we've had in quite some time. Absolutely. Um, I just love the reuniting of Heyman and Lesnar, the sort of accidental reuniting. Yeah. Like, well, thanks for saving me from this, you know, goober. 
and actually, whilst we're all talking about it, let's let's talk about what happened later on because Paul Heyman's swaggering out of the arena, and Kayla surprises him, and he goes, "Oh, will you please stop doing that?" Uh, and she says, "Well, what's all this about Lesnar sort of implying you're you're his advocate again?" And he goes, hmm, "Well, will you please stop doing that as well?" Not happy about these questions, he goes to leave, and she goes, "Oof." what Roman Reigns is going to think about all this. And then he's got that moment of, oh, bollocks. <laughs> it's, it's, this is it, right? So next week, this is where I worry that sometimes I play a bit too fast and loose with this because you can just about believe that Roman hasn't watched a video because we know that when he's off, he runs around on an island, Billy Bollocker. <laughs> yes. Impressing his wife. What he does with his free time. So I'm willing to believe that he's not popping tapes in and catching up with what's been going on at work. However, when he does arrive at SmackDown, how long can Roman be in the building without somebody saying like, hey, what do you make of uh, all his advocate crack? Or like mm. Roman, even Roman just alluding to, um, I, I did get wind of the fact that you looked like you were um, revving Brock up with your cack in your hand last week. <laughs> I don't think you can do that in the middle of a packed building on a two million viewer watch show and not think I'd get wind of that. So I'm interested now to see how they do this again without doing Roman dirty. You can't look mm. stupid. You can never look too thick about any of this or too naive. So I'm quite curious to see where they go with this bit next. That was then surreally followed by uh, Los Lotharios, the handsome bastards against Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Now, of course, Lothar Los Lotharios has been a bit of a winning streak recently. Um <laughs> Dominating, you know, stealing victories, you know, shenanigans, etc. But looking good. Then they lost in 90 seconds here. No idea what this was. Um, Boogs goes in early. He's got this new gimmick where he just sort of gorilla slams his chest. You know, I'm just, he's, I mean, I love looking at that man, so I'm fine with it. I also love the fact that they're bringing back the Monty Brown, Monty Brown pounce. Yes, please. More of that in my wrestling. Yeah. Love a nice pounce. Um, also, I also really like big dudes going to do something and either the person not coming with them or just being a bit, you know, mistimed. So he goes to press slam, Angel, Angel, whatever you're calling him now, and it, it doesn't, can't quite get him up, but he just goes, no, you're going up. I don't care how this happens. <laughs> press slams him out to the floor, picks up Umberto, just spins him round and round and round and round, slams him down. In comes Nakamura. And I just felt like Michael Cole wasn't watching because I was like, oh, in comes Nakamura. He's setting up with the Kinshasa. Michael Cole went, in comes Nakamura. And I was like, he's doing the Kinshasa, you knobhead. Kinshasa, one, two, three, like 90 seconds, they beat him. I've no idea what's going on. No, if this was on Raw, we'd offer it no... Uh, we wouldn't offer it the credibility of a review. And I feel like we can't do that here. You've sort mm. of summed it up there. What, what on earth can possibly be going on that this ended in 90 seconds with a win for the baby faces? when the baby faces seem to exist to get over the new acts. It's also becoming, this is not a comment on the match, it's more of a general Nakamura observation. It's also becoming a bit of a thing, I feel, that Nakamura is the Intercontinental Champion and his defence record is pitiful. Mm. On screen, I think he's had one since September. Um, what's what's any of this about? Like, SmackDown's not the good show and it hasn't been for a while and this is just one of the reasons why. Let's move on, uh, because then we got Xavier, sorry, King Woods's crowning moment. Um, we're backstage, the hand of the king, Kofi Kingston's there, 
Uh, also there is the Viking Raiders, Ricochet, and Drew Gulak, who came dressed as Adam Nicholas for this segment, interestingly. <laughs> um, and they teased We've all this, tried, we've all failed. They teased, they teased this before the break, but finally um, they unveil this new hideous-looking crown, which just fits perfectly, in my opinion, for King Woods. Um, and uh, he proclaims... He proclaims um, they're going to take on, of course, the Usos and RK Bro in the main event. And uh, he promised that they were going to win and prove that they're the best tag team with a slight apology to the Viking Raiders who were stood right there. What do you think of the new crown? I mean, it's hideous, but Woods pulls it off because of course he does. And it has, I'm assuming, some sort of like link to some kind of video game. It had a kind of video game energy yeah, about it, didn't it? The shape that. and the... Aye, but like that. So for those that appreciate it, they'll love it. And he, you would assume, is the best one. I had a bigger issue with this, and this is nitpicky stuff, perhaps. But you know what would prove that you're the best at something is by getting revenge on the people that tried to say that you weren't the best in the first place. Roman Reigns has just trodden on that crown, and he's just got a new one. Like, you, like if you allow this to be the story, I tell you what's a better show than SmackDown is The Office. And in The Office, um, spoiler for anybody that hasn't seen up to about season five, season six, but there is an arc, shall we say. It's not a big spoiler for the plot, but there is an arc where Michael Scott of Dunder Mifflin wants to set up his own paper company. And it becomes a bit of a pissing contest between Dunder Mifflin and the Michael Scott paper company. And Michael Scott makes the point because he is, in his mind, immune to consequences, right? Oh, don't think you can stop me because I will just form another paper company and another paper (laughs) company and another paper company. And I'll keep forming paper companies. Like, this is an idiot character trying to suggest that there are no consequences to his actions. That's kind of what Xavier Woods is doing. You want to crush my crown? I'll just get another crown and another crown. His crowning moment was when he won it at King of the Ring and then had some heels tried to ruin that. Could you not at least just get to the point of getting some redemption with that and then getting a new crown rather than just, I just bought a new one. (laughs) It's like, take that, bullies. Like, money out of my own pocket to get a new one made. So uh, what's the real quiz? Well, it was technically, it was from the, the, the coffers of the, the royal family. So, and the, de- well, didn't he say yeah. donations as well from, yeah, so. I mean, I've seen people donating to worse things, wrestlers have asked some money for than a crown for Xavier Woods, so, <laughs> I. I also, also like the fact that you and I are sitting here going, it's probably gaming related or something. You ever seen that tweet where it's like, guy watching movie when he's only ever seen the boss baby and he's like getting a lot of boss baby vibes from this right? <laughs> me, me and you are like um it's gaming related getting a lot of rocket league vibes from this i haven't seen that i love that yeah this is very much like the opening scene of boss baby isn't it? <laughs> yeah you're right i love uh, rock rocket league kingwoods me and yeah uh, me and you why haven't we been invited on the uh gaming podcast I keep right. doing that thing with I keep doing that thing with Scott or Ben Roy whenever I see one of them, and it's like, uh, like, oh, get us on the uh, get us on the podcast. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not joking. <laughs> I've got fifteen year old takes on Grand Theft Auto to offer to the world. Honestly, when Hamlet got me into, I got a switch a while back. Actually, probably this time last year, it was around Black Friday, if I remember. Uh, Yep. And I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I've just bought Mario Kart because I play. That's what I played when my mate brought it around, and I've had a great time playing it. And you were like, you need to get into Rocket League, and I was like, oh yeah, Osley, who I used to sit next to, used to work at What Culture. I uh, used to play that a lot, and I was like, oh, it looks quite good. It's football, love football and cars. Yeah, they're all right as well. 
And then we got into it and was, I'd be texting Hamlet about scoring like a last second winner and running around the house whilst my wife looked at me, shushing non-existent audiences going, shoot! <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got time to fit any of the rest of them because I've just spent 18 hours on Rocket League. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Anyway, returning to the wrestling side of things, uh, Drew McIntyre walks into Postman Pierce's office. Um, Always loved this. Postman Pierce in his office, suit, you know, business attire. Drew McIntyre, pants and a sword. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) To be fair, he was going out to wrestle next, so that slightly makes more sense. But I just love I love the idea of him just wandering around backstage. That He brings Angela in with him, though. uh, And we discover that a, quote, Higher authority decided McIntyre couldn't be in the Battle Royal. Mm. Mm. Oh, good. A higher power storyline again. Um, and uh, Pierce uh, also said that, uh, I think he said Sonia Deville decided that list, but it was the higher authority, basically, that, that made the final call. And he also said the higher authority decided he couldn't take Angela the sword to ringside for his match coming up. So McIntyre just... Pierced it through Pierce's desk, which I appreciated uh, before heading out. It's preposterous, this. Adam Pierce gets a phone call uh, hours before SmackDown the other week, and it just says, I don't want that fucking scud-wearing freak in my battle royale. Not even a... He's, he's got my sword. He's got my sword. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he has to take him out of the match. Who could the higher authority be? Hey. Who could it be? Maybe we'll never know. Uh, and then there was some uh, completely unrealistic uh, chat in between Tony Storm and Sasha Banks backstage. Uh, Sasha Banks put over Tony Storm for an accomplishment. Tony Storm said the words, pieback's a bitch, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and Sasha oh. Banks went, yeah, <laughs> so Charlotte Flair. And she said, oh, you can beat her. Uh, just keep you cool and let Flair snap first, basically. So, so bad. Sasha Banks, like, said to Tony Storm, like amidst all that 
horrendous dialogue, words to the effect of, you know, you've got experience from wrestling all over the world. Um, I know you can beat Charlotte Flair. And Tony, Tony Storm's like, yeah, yeah, cool. Like, I really respect you too. All of that stuff is true. And yet this was the falsest interaction I've ever seen in my human life. Mm. 36 years on earth. And I've never seen two people that aren't actually human beings, but are in fact, Sasha Banks was in the Mandalorian. Yeah. What does WWE do to people? (laughs) What what is it? Like they stand backstage and they force them into these situations. Tony Storm is not, she's not a first, like a first time offender with this one. I feel like, there was a, a pretty infamous promo she cut when she was NXT UK Women's Champion mm. that was particularly cringeworthy. But it is, again, so, like, forced into WWE's house style. I just thought you had two actual stars on screen and you found a way to make neither of them feel like anything. Yeah. Right. We, don't always, we don't always draw the backstage segments out for individual criticism or praise unless it's worthy of one or the other. And this was absolutely worthy of one of those. Yeah. This was really bad. Really bad. Uh, thankfully, it was followed by a brilliant, hard-hitting match between two guys who love kicking the crap out of each other. Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre. Cesaro's watching backstage. I mentioned Ridge Holland, obviously, uh, learning. Sipping from the teat that is Sheamus. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, they just beat, beat each other up. Uh, Sheamus goes to do that 10 beats the thingy, uh, but McIntyre reverses it, and then Sheamus counters it and... and yeah, chops. They're both chopping each other as hard as they can in the chest. Um, back and forth. Seamus uh, tossed McIntyre to the floor, but he missed a dive off the apron. And then McIntyre catches him with a belly-to-belly suplex. When we come back, Seamus gets McIntyre up. Uh, Irish curse backbreaker, near fall off that, goes for white noise. McIntyre slips out, chops Seamus. Uh, Future Shock DDT, the old Claymore countdown. They loved it there. The crowd were really into this. Um, as he goes through those Seamus counters and hits him with a great knee for a uh, two count, sets up for the brogue. McIntyre rolls him up for a near fall. Seamus fights back, throws McIntyre into the corner, and he bounces straight out, hits the Claymore. One, two, three. Just a nice seven minutes of fun, this, and two guys who just love twatting each other as hard as they can. It had absolutely no right to be as good as it was, considering how much we've seen it, did it? I know, like, we're kind of removed from the feud but the feud was this year yeah you know it was still like a pre-wrestlemania diversion for the pair of them this year um and we saw some long long matches in that series as well i had a blast with this i had a total blast with it i like this so much that in light of what we can assume about uh what was coming next for drew mcintyre it was him he appeared to be getting paired with jeff hardy for Mm -hmm. mad cat moss baron corb happy corbin stuff and Obviously, now with Hardy gone, you assume that what they'll probably do is just pivot to a singles thing and it'll be Drew. Or Cesaro, if they want to do that, I suppose. Well, it's funny you mention Cesaro, because Cesaro was, of course, a victim of Sheamus and Ridge Bloody Holland and their new friendship. I've got the vibes of wanting to get these two back together, you know. Because if there's anybody else that should inspire Ridge Bloody Holland as much as Shamo, it's uh, Drew. Because this match, they were just mirror images of each other yet again. I want, I think I want, like, make nice with Cesaro and let's have a hard lads group. Yeah. Let's have European head cases on SmackDown <laughs> as a like, like they're right in the wrongs of the League of Nations. Yes. Let's have these four guys just absolutely monstering losers and training Ridge Bloody Holland up to be the next generation. They should all have like bar related terms, pub related terms, I should say, because people might get confused. So, like, 
the submission should be called the lock-in or yeah. the, the finisher should be called closing time or time at the bar or something like that. I'd love that, yeah. I got it, I got it, I got it. You know, like, imagine, well, I think I've changed my mind. Get Cesar out because he's a coffee guy. He's not a beer guy, is he? He's a coffee guy. Like, mm. Drew and Jamie. So we're going to have three. They're going to be called the treble, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then remember the old, like, shield finisher? That's going to be called the Jaeger bomb. <laughs> Planting with the Jaeger bomb. And uh, instead of uh, kicking someone out of ringside, they have to go, you're bad. You're <laughs> <laughs> bad. Which is what gets him in a feud with Cesaro because he's like, I am the bar. He's like, no, you're bad. Uh, anyway, in the back, uh, Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin stole Pierce's desk with a sword uh, still in it. And this was never followed up on the show. But to be fair, we didn't have to have them on telly any more than that. So I was quite happy. They sure did. Next week, um, they're going to have, is it Happy Talk? Yes. And there's going to be um, a table in the ring for the set. And then Madcap Moss is going to be like, this week, I'm Magician Moss. But what's under my hat? And he pulls away the top hat and there's the sword still on the table. Which then you have to think about how they've, how they've transported a, a table with the sword in. Like, well, how many vans of Madcap Moss and Happy Corbin had to fall <laughs> just to get his happy dog on the air? Because, yeah, they're going to transport a table with the sword in all the way to another building. I'd like to think I'm professional when it comes to our podcast at Hamlet. And uh, obviously, I said, this is the last SmackDown I'll legally have to watch. But we'll obviously have to preview SmackDown on Friday. Uh, and a heads up, uh, there's a hospital pass coming your way on that. Because I'm going to say, what's next for Angela the Sword? So <laughs> just get ready for that in, uh, in a few days' we'll time. Do, we'll do. Uh, anyway, we got a nice uh, tribute to Jack Lanza um, and looking back on his career. Uh, obviously our thoughts here at what culture you go to his uh, friends and family an absolute legend then we got the the backstage segment with uh, Kayla and Paul Heyman that I mentioned earlier and then we finally got Sonia Deville versus Naomi who'd have thought this match wouldn't actually happen both of us in the preview <laughs> what culture wrestling wherever you get your podcast from so Naomi comes out tells Sonia Deville take that suit off come down to the ring let's have a fight and she to be fair she does she comes down she's ready mm. for action but before it can uh, begin, Deville gets a mic and announces she's got a few surprises. We've got a special guest ring announcer. It's Natalia, who's apparently a heel now. It changes every bloody week. She's the female big show. Uh, and the special guest timekeeper was Shayna Baszler. I did like the fact that Shayna Baszler clearly was quite enjoying this. She had like a stopwatch and was like, oh, I better keep an eye on this. <laughs> uh, but before, <clears throat> uh, before the match can even start... Naomi dives to the outside. She can see where this is going. Attacks Baszler, attacks Natalia, uh, beats them down. But obviously the numbers game allows to the uh, heels to regroup. Sonia Deville goes out and they do the whole sort of shield-esque surrounding or nexus-esque surrounding of the ring. It looks like, oh God, Naomi's going to beat her down. Who could save this woman? A debuting Zia Lee, who's in Raiden apparently. She appears <laughs> on, the, on the entranceway. And she's got like lightning shooting out of her by the looks of things. And she comes down and her and Naomi fight together for a split second. I thought she was going to turn on Naomi. And I thought that was the dumbest decision they could have made. <laughs> they didn't do that. They work together. They beat down the heels. Uh, and eventually, Zylee nails Sonya Deville with a kick to the head. It looks like Naomi's going to hit that split leg in a moonsault off the turnbuckle. But Baszler and Natalia drag her out of there. What a debut for Zylee. Uh, uh, she shoots lightning. <laughs> she sure does. I love that entrance. I I put this to you this morning in our prep for this podcast, trying to 
I don't know, collect my thoughts on this entrance because I think I like it as much as I do because otherwise WWE's augmented reality as use has been rubbish, hasn't it? Yeah. Floating graphics in the corner. Um, like it's just, they've got this incredibly expensive thing and produced the cheapest looking version of it. Yeah. So whilst in the arena, Zylee for a long time is basically just moving her arms like back and forth crosswise and the heels and I guess Naomi have to stand there for a long time just watching. There was one time when the camera cut back and like poor, um, who was it? I think it was Shayna Baszler. The camera was like sort of, you could, her, she was in shot and I guess mm. she wasn't thinking, oh God, I have to sell confused shot for like such a long amount of time that she was kind of had that little bit of a get to the point face on. But obviously for television, you need to see all this lightning stuff. A really impressive use of this augmented reality for something different, for something unique. She has leapt out of the pages of the comic book with which we've been leafing through over the past yeah. few weeks and emerged in real life. I like this. I think it will at least be something um, that kind of has your attention, I guess, mm -hmm. for the next few weeks on SmackDown before the novelty starts to wear off. I think it's funny that we saw the debut of it in a running because like, you have to stop there. Remember when Rhea Ripley did it in NXT and they almost ran out of TV time? Yeah. It's like, oh, it comes Ripley to say, Ripley to say Biagaba in a minute when she punched the ground and said, this is my brutality. <laughs> so it was a little bit of that, but it was, oh, it was pretty wacky and I think I was there for that. I didn't like the attack and I think that's why I was so half and half on it. The stuff in ring was really, really sloppy, really, really contrived, right to the very last moment, which when you said, oh, Naomi, Naomi goes to hit the split leg and the insult, but the heels pull her out and they can't get her this time. She could have hit it, couldn't she? Mm. She had to stop herself mid-move because they weren't there to pull Sonya out in time. So I thought the execution of everything was perhaps undermining what was otherwise a pretty cool presentation. Yeah. Um, they've done a better job with weird magic powers and Zia Lee than NXT did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, and and you know unlike we, we said Michael Cole on our preview but I suppose Natalia is a first few presumably for Zia Lee's is, is ideal yeah. isn't it yeah they're going to have well her and Shayna Baszler I guess they're going to have really yeah. good worthy mid-card matches with her and Zia Lee don't be fooled by that half decent one on Sonya Deville because there's a middle ground between that and the injuries sustained by Mercedes Martinez, I think it was. Yeah. Whereas Eileen's kick is sweet. So hopefully against either Natalia or Shayna Baszler, we see it. Uh, we go to the back. Uh, Riddle's there with Wendy. Uh, they're talking about their upcoming match. And then we're introduced, huge pap in the Wilborn household, to the cast of Jackass Forever. Johnny Knoxville there, Dave England, Chris Pontius, uh, some other guys. And uh, they he's asking them for advice in the, in the tag match. And... Uh, Knoxville's got this new move that's just grabbing someone in the cack, basically. Does it to Dave England to show it <laughs> up. Uh, Pontius tells him to stay lubricated. I'll be honest, I didn't really pay much attention to this because I thought, oh, God, I've got to Google when my big dad day out with the dad lease is. 4th of February 2022, put it in the diary. That's when it's coming out here in England, Excellent. Jackass Forever. Uh, and then Riddle says, oh, what do you reckon to all this? And Randy Orton says, yeah, I can't be asked and walks off. But I just, I just was so excited to see Jack, the Jackass boys on there, to be honest. Right. This is going to sound very hypocritical coming from literally the oldest man at whatculture.com. Um, I saw this and too got excited for the prospect of me, you and Sidgwick having a nice day out at Jackass. I was a, you know, Jackass devotee 
in my youth. And we, that hit at just the right age mm. for a bunch of morons in the early 2000s like us to just dive into. And the films were always like they were taking it to the next level. And I just, I'm staring at these guys and like, I know Time's Arrow neither stands still nor reverses. It merely marches forward. But I didn't realise it could march forward so quick. <laughs> because, God damn, we not long ago reviewed... Um, the jackass boys getting a battering off Umaga for the five-star review on Monday Night Raw. And I don't know what it is, but wrestling in 2006 doesn't look as long ago as the jackass boys in 2006, <laughs> does it? Oh my God. Um, I'm glad they've, those ones at least specifically on screen have made some good money out of hurting themselves on camera for a lot of years because they are weathering the scars all these years on. Pontius still looks all right. Pontius does, doesn't he? He has stayed lubricated. Party boy has, with advice for life, has stayed lubricated. But I just I feel like by the end of this, I was more on Randy Orton's wavelength in this segment than anybody else's. <laughs> and uh, Migos is going to make a special appearance at day one. Cool. <laughs> That's all. I just thought I'd mention it. Hometown thing, is it? Is that the crack? Mate, you're asking the wrong person here. I, I've, heard, <laughs> I've heard songs of theirs. But I'm, I'm so old, I don't really know what's going on. I guarantee <laughs> if you look at my Spotify wrapped, it ain't going to be many new artists. It's just, remember those songs you used to like five years ago? Yeah, just keep listening to them. That's what I've descended <laughs> into now. Uh, right, let's talk about this championship contenders match. Charlotte Flair, the SmackDown Women's Champion versus Tony Storm. If Tony Storm wins, she is the number one contender. And Tony Storm did win. Well, let's get into it. Flair early on takes control, but Storm fights back, catches Flair with a crossbody for a two count. We do get a bit of let's go, Tony, chance, although I'm not sure if they were actually in the arena, if I'm honest. Uh, Flair mm. comes back, goes for that moonsault off the top rope. Storm moves. Flair lands on her feet and does the standing moonsault, but Storm's on her stomach. Flair still tries to pin her. It was all over the shop at that point. Storm fires up, though. Rolls up Flair, gets a near fall. Small package, another near fall. German suplex, a two count again. Charlotte is furious at this point. We're getting just outworked or outfought or outfoxed by Tony Storm. So Charlotte bails to the apron, guillotines Tony over the top rope, slams her into the ring post, and then just beats her down in the corner. And yes, gets DQ'd for kicking too much ass. Tony Storm is the number one contender. And then Charlotte hits her with a big boot to stand tall at the end of all this as well. Oh, bad match. Um, botches are botches are botches, but when they are immersion breaking, as some of the miscommunications were here, it becomes impossible to invest. And what was worse about that is that when you're already suddenly taken out of the match itself, it's only got about a minute to go. And they do what they've done so many times before and never get tired of, which is burying someone six foot under while attempting to get them over. Mm. Just this idea that Charlotte Flair, who wasn't acting like she was being driven to it, she just sort of thought, ah, sod it. Like, I can probably beat her in a title match, so I'll take this DQ so I can kick her in the head a bit more now, so I can <laughs> kick her against the post. Tony Storm doesn't get her comeuppance, doesn't get to look up and be like, ah, but actually the joke's on you, Charlotte. Was it this match on the preview where I said, oh, I've got the horrible dreads of Tony celebrating her victory that was a yeah. roll-up on the ramp, yeah. thinking, oh, they're going to give Tony Storm the title shot, but it's going to be a worst-case scenario, Wilborn. And then you were like, oh, WWE, hold my worst-case scenario bucket and let me pick <laughs> another one out because we've got this one instead. Just hated this man, hated it. The fact that the match wasn't good before the lousy finish really didn't help. And what's worse, and I don't even know if this is the intention, 
But by pairing Tony Storm with Sasha Banks backstage for a brief conversation where you use Sasha Banks to try and give the rub to Tony Storm a little bit. Mm-hmm. After this, all I could think of was, oh yeah, Sasha Banks is on this roster. Once Charlotte Flair has defeated Tony Storm in the exact way we believe that Becky Lynch was going to defeat Liv Morgan, you can get to the match that's probably got a bit more to it. Mm. And that's not ideal for the person that you're trying to get over, is it? No. Uh, quick scan of the crowd. Reggie Bush, Maria Menounos, Jackass Forever. In X-Pac? Yes! Yeah. Getting back in a company. Put some respect on his name. Anyway, uh, then another brilliant segment, to be fair, backstage. Postman Pierce in his, is in his office and Brock comes in and he's terrified. He backs up against the wall and Brock heads towards him and says, I just want to say thank you for that, that fine and suspension. But the, the million dollars, I know that went to charity. And you know what? I had such a great time when I had that time off. I went hunting. I killed this killed this giant moose. I, I'll show you a picture of it. He pulls out his phone. And first of all, I thought, of course, Brock Lesnar has a flip phone. But he yeah. can't get the, I'm sorry, 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 Piers. I can't get this. Oh, I really want to show you this picture. And he snaps the phone in half. Now that makes a lot more sense. And I just, yeah, fine. He, uh, he says, oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, let me tell you about it. I killed this moose. It was massive. And I strung it up and I gutted it and I skinned it. And I, uh, I eventually took about 220 pounds of guts out of this. And then, oh, and then I cut it. Have you, have you ever tasted moose? Oh, mwah. It is a delicacy. Anyway, I, I thought I want to remember this moment. I remember, you know, this amazing time that I had. So when he, I presumably, I don't know, put the head on the wall or whatever. I don't know, you know what I do with all this. Moose stuff. He, he named it Pierce. And he said, I just want to say thank you. And, and then he looks at Postman Pierce to say, now you say it. Postman Pierce goes, thank you. And he goes, hey, thank me, thank you. Ah, we're, we're all good, basically. Yeah. I just want to remember this brilliant moment. And the the aggressive back pads. <laughs> I think that could be a finisher, if I'm honest with Brock. But not, you know, I, did, I didn't like, I'm not a huge fan of just intimidating Brock when he's a heel. Intimidating Brock when he's a baby face might be my favourite thing. I mean, it's hard to imagine this going anywhere, isn't it? Because... Like, unless Adam Pierce wants to, I guess, get in bed with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman at this point and just confirm his heel turn. There's probably no story to this other than just doing it for the crack. But I'm bang game for Brock Lesnar, who has this reputation as a mercenary, who wants to come in, do his, and go home, to do this. Because he's doing, he's going above and beyond for him, isn't he? Like, yeah. my expect my expectations are pretty low, Brock. <laughs> and you totally exceeded them. <laughs> I just, if this is for nothing other than for a bit of pat there, I welcome it, quite honestly. I don't need more Brock versus Pierce. I'm not sure I want Pierce and a so-called higher authority ruling the roost over SmackDown and helping Roman Reigns in a potential feud with Drew or however that any of this spirals off and sprawls to. This is just funny. This mm. is just really, really funny. Flip phone gag was great. Like you saw it in his hand, you're like, you're starting to fear for the flip phone. As soon as it wasn't functioning the way he needed it to right there, and then you're like, this is doomed. This prop is doomed. It's great. I can just imagine being Brock Lesnar's phone provider. Again, Mr. Lesnar, yes, no, we'll send out a replacement. (laughs) Apologies for the software update, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, All right, main event time. Trying to find out who the best tag team in WWE is. They revealed a Twitter poll where RK Bro uh, had won it 
earlier on, which just showcases how bloody over that team is when they're up against, you know, the Usos and especially the New Day. Uh, the Usos actually came out and got a promo. Uh, I did like nope as a new catchphrase. But they basically <laughs> said they're not worried about, okay, bro, the New Day, and they're certainly not worried about losing those titles at day one. They're going to win tonight. They're going to retain the titles, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and on commentary, I'd like to point out that Michael Cole noted that Sonia Deville and Adam Pearce invited RK Bro to SmackDown tonight to determine the best tag team in the WWE. So I don't know whether that qualifies as a quarterly brand invitation or not, and I think they've forgotten about it. So we'll, we'll, we'll do exactly the same. I think that should mean that for the Raw preview, you say Baron Corbin coming to Raw? <laughs> oh, don't you worry. I've got the best question for the Raw preview that you're going to love. And Sidgwick's going to hate. Uh, <laughs> New Day early on, uh, gets the, get the advantage. Riddle uh, worked the majority of this match. I thought it was a great story. And I, by the way, I'm jumping ahead slightly. I couldn't get over how much this crowd was like, oh, give me some fucking Randy Orton. Please tag Randy Orton in. He was like, like oh, come on. It was like, like thinking back to like, you know, yeah. when Cornette talks about, you know, giving a hot tag to the baby faces when the Midnight Express would, like, would isolate someone. This is what he's talking about. Like, yeah. this was white hot. So <clears throat> early on, like I said, Riddle gets isolated. Um, Jey Uso gets in as, as Riddle and Woods are fighting. He does a blind tag. Uh, the Usos come in, all the four faces get beat down. New Day and RK Bro sent out to the floor, double suicide dive. And then, yes, the Usos drag Riddle to their corner and isolate him, beat him down. Orton tries to make the save for his friend. Referee pushes him out. And of course, that only allows the Usos to uh, double team him effectively, slam Riddle into the ring post. So then, this is the story where Riddle isolated, beat down, taking all the offense but just desperate to reach out to Andy and bring him into the match. So Jay misses a splash in the corner and Riddle goes to make the tag, but Jay cuts him off. Riddle fights out again of, of, of the Uso's grasp, but uh, just as he's about to tag Orton in, Jimmy Uso pulls Orton off the apron and slams him into the barricade. They are honestly clamoring, climbing, climbing over the barricades, wanting Orton to get tagged in. Riddle fights back against the Usos, goes to the tag again, but this time Kingston comes in and uh, jumps off Riddle's back to knock Orton off the apron. Even the New Day, they were like, no, the New Day? I want Randy Orton. (laughs) (coughs) So Riddle hits Woods with a knee, Pele kick on Kingston, finally gets to his corner, tags in Randy Orton, and the roof comes off. He comes in, he runs wild on the Usos. He uh, tries to do that you know, DDT through the ropes thing, but eventually he's on the outside, avoids a drop kick from Woods, back suplex onto the announce table. A Kofi Kingston, back suplex onto the announce table for you as well. He finally hits that draping DDT on Jey Uso. Uh, Jay's recovered though, goes for the splash, Orton avoids it, Jay rolls through, Woods blind tag, Orton RKO's Jimmy, so the fans get what they want. Then Orton gets hit with a super kick from Jay. Uh, Jay and Woods are of course the legal men. The New Day, Hit uh, Jay with that backbreaker foot stomp combo. Kofi Kingston's been tagged in during this. One, two, three. Turns out the New Day, the best tag team in WWE, but we already knew that. And Randy Orton is apparently the most over person in Los Angeles. Yeah, really odd this. So, like, yeah, this was a good match, but so what? You get a million, billion good matches a week now. Do we, WWE watch and listen to their audience beg, beg for one thing for what like 16 minutes 15 16 minutes and then that audience gets a minute and a half of it and 
that's what that's what they get and then they shunted out for what was about a 20 minute television experience that's the trade you're making if you buy yeah. your WWE ticket these days I'm going to give you what you want but we'll give you a very 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 tiny bit to make sure you come back next time so you're kind of getting to watch the mechanics of that happen because um, I Orton was the was the guy and there was no denying it and ultimately it's I don't know I, I can't make up my mind because it was the work was better it was better than good I'm being too flippant there like it was very well executed and enjoyable at points getting again to see um rk bro interact as the um like the added fresh ingredient in the new day usos mm. stuff like I, I really quite liked getting to see them as part of this little tag universe we've got going on but even then wwe book a match that rare as it is gets the new day booed and then puts the new day over Mm-hmm. in a match where the stakes overtly are, who is the best tag team in WWE? Is it the Raw tag team champions? Because they've got the belts and that's what that's supposed to mean. Is it the SmackDown champions? Because they've got the belts and that's what it's supposed to mean. <laughs> or is it these other guys? <laughs> these other guys, the guys you like the least. It's these, <laughs> isn't it? What a strange and unique, only in WWE yeah. vibe this entire thing was. Um and I'll say this as well, and this is not a dig. Orton got this monster response, and RK Bro are over, and the New Day are timeless, and the Usos just can go in these scenarios. But was this not evidence when none is needed at this point of the SmackDown problem that we constantly labour on? Um, Roman Reigns is their main eventer, and absolutely nobody else is. And SmackDown feels unfinished until mm. his business is conducted, and with no business to conduct. I always think these episodes feel odd when they try and we're out of time. Where's where's a uh, tribal chief? Oh god, yeah, this is it. This is actually it. That graphic goes up, doesn't it? So yeah, like that's not on these talents specifically, but no. I think it's a prevailing SmackDown problem. Uh, yeah, a wild conclusion to SmackDown. I, I just honestly, it was like being back in Saudi Arabia. Those pops for uh, New York, and I couldn't get over it. But still, yeah. hey, we'll talk more about this probably on the Raw preview, but. Got some money stuff on their hands with RK Bro going forward. My yeah. word. Uh, anyway, let us know your thoughts on uh, on SmackDown on Twitter at What Culture WWE. Well, actually, you can uh, follow uh, both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at Adam Wilbur. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, still got the AW Rampage review to come and the money now. Preview a little bit later on today as well. But for now, this has been the SmackDown Review. My thanks to Michael Hamper. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 